Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode tonight are Cody Paulson, coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida, and Nick Face, joining us off the bench, coming to us from Reading, Massachusetts. Nick, where can the fans find you on Twitter, and how are you doing tonight? It was a interesting week for me, because I have a lot of family, and we did a celebration of life for my uncle, so I've got a lot of... A lot of family and a lot of friends that are in. So it's been an interesting, fun week in a way just to see some people. But they can find me at FaceTheFacts15 on Twitter. Excellent. And Cody, where can the fans find you and how are you doing today? Hey, man. I'm doing all right. You know, uh, winding down a weekend. Obviously, we got the West Coast swing, so it's got some late nights here. Good to get a midday game, albeit kind of a bit of a bummer a dud to the end of the series. But they can find me on Twitter at D. Cody Paulson. How are you doing, Charlie? Uh, I'm doing great. I felt like I was like flubbing that intro, similar to like the Red Sox in the third game of this series. Uh, the Red Sox found themselves facing a familiar person who no longer wears a Red Sox uniform and kindly was treated out to dinner by one of our very own because he I guess accidentally lost his wallet and there are people like that that lose their wallets, but the Red Sox end up winning six to one in the first game, four to two in the second game by two names that we did not have starting the regular season before promptly getting dismissed in the final game of this three game set seven zero by a former Red Sox pitcher, Michael Waka, who won his fifth of the year. It hurt. Only a little bit because we did end up taking this series. Uh, Nick, is there anything you wanted to add to that? I just, it was kind of a comical kind of game on this Sunday because you have the guy that I wanted back from the offseason. That was Michael Walker. And that was against Kluber, who for the most part has been nothing but a wonderful pile of, gar of garbage since he's been here with the Red Sox. Um, I look forward to this series from the get-go. I had this circled on my calendar because Padres was supposed to be one of the best teams that was supposed to be for baseball right now. And it has, you know, Xander Bogarts being a part of their team now and my favorite announcer and one of my buddies, Don Orsillo, calling the games. And I got a chance to listen to some, the games this weekend from him calling the games. It, it felt like home. It felt right in the world by listening to Don on there. So overall, wish Walker was still a Red Sox. I have to say, though, I'm happy with the two out of three uh, games getting one. I am happy about that. Absolutely. Cody, anything you want to add? Uh, this is a big series. Obviously, a lot of, you know, as, as we talk about uh, Boston being Dodgers East, you know, San Diego starting to look like Red Sox West. Um, you know, this is a, a series that everybody's kind of had on their, their calendar. Always nice to hear. You know, Don Orsillo games, uh, you wanted to get a look at, you know, Xander in that uniform, as weird as it might be. Um, but really, you know, to take two out of three against a team that's supposed to be a perennial, you know, NL contender, um, 
definitely wasn't something I think we would have had in the cards at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, and we kind of hit the skids a little bit there. So to, to take two out of three here, I think is, you know, feeling good. The only sour taste in the mouth is, you know, um, it clear on display, you know, Bloom probably should have picked up the option on Walker or picked up that contract as opposed to, to Kluber. But, you know, alas, what can you do? Absolutely. Attention, Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets. Win or lose. All you have to do is use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus, and physically present in Massachusetts or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. So, as Nick was talking about earlier, the Padres were highly favored to be one of the most explosive teams in baseball. They're projected to be one of the hot teams, along with the Dodgers in the NL West, especially given the fact that they have the third highest payroll in Major League Baseball, only trailing a couple of teams. Um, so it's just, it's pretty remarkable when you think about it. But one familiar face who we didn't have to see injuring our team because he was injured himself was Manny Machado. And I think not having to face Manny Machado made a huge difference for some of our starters. Uh, as we mentioned, we won the first two games, 6-1 to one and 4-2, um, by two of our starters that we didn't have to start the regular season before again, losing that third one, 7-0 to Michael Walker and friends. But uh, before we, um, I think before, before we uh, really get into it, we're going to, uh, I think, change it up as far as, as some of the studs who we typically have had in the past uh, and I think some of the duds we might hear again, but the good thing about the show is even though you may show up as a stud one week, you could show up as a dud a following week. It's all good, especially if you've had a pretty consistent, I think, month. The reason why I preface that is because I've gotten a lot of messages saying, you guys are a really negative podcast. You guys hate the Red Sox. You guys aren't real fans, this, that, and the other. Here's the thing. We are real fans. We do love the Red Sox. We're just openly honest when things are going great and openly honest when things are just not going so great. So that's literally it. Want to put that disclaimer out there because I received a, a DM uh, about that. So without further ado, we're going to start off with our studs. Cody, I'm going to have you hit us off with our first stud of the series against the Padres. First stud of the series has to be the first guy to, you know, really do some damage for this team uh, as the series began. You know, I got to give credit to James Paxton. Um, I'm still kind of blown away. Uh, you know, I think nervously all of Red Sox nation is kind of waiting for that other foot to fall right at this point in time, knock on wood, it all seems too good to be true. Right. You know, uh, game one, he goes six full innings, right. Quality start five hits, one run earned two walks, five K's, you know, just kind of gives up that solo shot. Uh, but he threw 107 pitches, right. Never in our wildest dreams with, you know, the past couple of seasons as he had, did you ever think we were going to let him have the leash to get to 107 pitches, right. You know, if you can get through four or five effective innings, um, you know, 80, 85 pitches, 90 if he's, you know, got a little situation going on and he's trying to close out the fifth to give it a clean frame to, to the bullpen, maybe, right? Because we didn't want to push our luck. We didn't want to, you know, um, tempt 
any bulky hamstring or, you know, uh, a wonky shoulder or whatever it might be. But I mean, this guy has been dialing it up to 98 too to strike out, um, you know, opposing players in big situations. The command's starting to look better. He's getting more comfortable and, and he's being everything that we're kind of hoping he could have been when we signed him originally. You know, he obviously always came with a caveat of when he's healthy or if he's healthy and, you know, he's starting to look like the guy that was spinning gems out in Seattle and, you know, was one of the one of the horses for for the Yankees on some of their runs. And if we can get any aspect of this type of pitcher, um, I don't want to call it through a stretch run through the middle of the season, whatever it ends up being, the rotation looks drastically different and it looks a lot deeper and it looks a lot healthier. And we've got, you know, guys that can go toe to toe with some of those premier pitchers in the league. Am I ever going to pick Paxton against a Cole or, you know, a, a healthy DeGrom or, you know, Verlander when he's when he's up and going? Probably not. But, you know, it, at least it's not the type of guy where you're rolling him out there being like, cool, maybe the offense can get, you know, super hot and, and get Verlander out of the game early to give ourselves a chance here. Um, you know, he's been an absolute re re revelation. Excuse me there. And I just like giving credit where credit's due because, you know. Uh, I've said the same thing. We've long talked about it on this podcast. We've given this guy about as much crap as as one person can possibly get, considering you know he threw his first pitch two starts ago for us in a in a Red Sox uniform. So you know I got to tip my cap, got to give respect for uh, respect and credit is due. James Paxton's my stud for the series. Nick, a proven MLB caliber pitcher who gets the job done when healthy, I think is the best way to define what James Paxton is when he shows up, he has his command, and he gets his job done. What I was impressed about the most is, even though some of these guys are struggling in the Padres lineup, I mean, some of these names are proven commodities. Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto. I mean, the list goes on from these guys that have somewhat of a background here with being True MLB players who shine. And he was able to get that job done very well on Friday night. And I'm as stunned as stunned can be that, number one, he's not hurt. <laughs> number two, that he's taken the mound and giving you 100-plus pitches. That's huge for a team that so desperately needs people in the rotation that you can count on. I want that to be what we see the rest of the season. And I am going to be rooting hard for Paxton. I just don't know what we're going to get as the season keeps on chugging along here. But what I like is that it seems like we're at a phase where we're starting to get some depth back. You've got the Garrett Whitlocks that are soon. You have Pavetta now in the bullpen who threw uh, some crap innings at least today, but he was still out there. you got Cutter Crawford now coming back. So if you can piece together all these different pitchers that can give you five, six innings and can be quality, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that we can have solid MLB caliber arms that can take the ball every five days, give you five, six innings, give you some quality starts. If it's 100 pitches, that's great. Hand it off to your Winkowskis or your Chris Martins of the world and give it off to Jensen. That's a good situation. So what you saw here from Friday night, I hope is what we get a chance to see more of because that was fun. I don't know about you guys. That was a fun start to see a guy who's been as low as low can get. I mean, he was pond scum 
pretty much with not being able to do pretty much anything, getting hurt left and right. That was great. And I tip my cap to James Paxton. Keep on going. So James Paxton, since 2019, has thrown 33 innings. So 33 innings in four years. This is someone who has thrown one-third of those 33 innings since May 12th, I believe was the first start that he had. And we all said, wow, this guy got $10 million for not doing a thing all of last year, is getting paid pennies this year in relation to last year, has put up two almost quality starts because he only pitched five innings in the first game, still struck out nine Cardinals, and now the Cardinals are starting to look good. The Padres only were missing Manny Machado, and he still only allowed one run. So two of those three runs came by way of home runs. That's it. Um, I'm really liking this, especially since not a lot has gone right in the starting rotation. Nick Pavetta being moved out. Uh, you know, a couple other names that we're mentioning. Uh, I don't want to you know name drop, but a couple of the names that probably should be doing work, or maybe they're just washed at this point. But uh, I'm, I'm really content with what I've seen from, from James Paxton. And it's, I think, something to continue building on. It's something I was saying last week and the week before that about Chris Sale. If you can continue to put six, six plus innings together, the rest of the bullpen should be able to handle that, especially with Kenley Jansen, who is an elite-level closer, albeit he's had a couple of kind of shaky, uh, shaky appearances. I'm still super happy with what we've seen from Pax. Um, our next stud, who do you have, Nick? I have Emmanuel Valdez. That game last night for Saturday was truly awesome. And thinking and seeing a player who was third or fourth on your depth chart, for the most part, a forgotten guy that was stashed in Worcester to start his season, has come up and really has shined in his short sample size that he's had here with Boston. So I believe he's up to about 60 plate appearances so far. He's got three homers. He's hitting 283 on the season right now. But here's a guy who's filling in for Trevor Story, uh, Mondesi, Christian Arroyo, even Kike when Kike was down and, and we needed somebody to fill in that spot. I think the biggest struggle here on Valdez is the glove. And you saw that a little bit here on this Sunday afternoon game where he pretty much almost tripped and hurt himself on a pretty much a routine kind of grounder to second base. The glove is not, in my opinion yet, MLB ready, but the bat is. And I think that can translate well with getting more reps and getting more time right at second base with seeing what the guy can do. I think every time he's gotten the opportunity, he's gotten a chance to shine and he was single-handedly one of the most important players from Saturday night in getting you that 4-2 win and being that guy who's really helping this team out where they didn't really have many other answers to turn. So this is wonderful to see, and I want to see more of him playing second base. I want to see him more even when a Royal comes back or when Story comes back or whatever happens. Maybe Story will have to just put, figure out how to – play shortstop i'm a little concerned with the arm and everything going to short with seeing how that translate and all but i'm i'm more confident right now with a valdez versus a kike hernandez or a christian arroyo or any of those types right now getting playing time and getting more reps 
I want to see more Valdez because I think the bat is truly MLB ready. Let's let's see more of it. Cody. I mean, not, not much to add there. I think Nick made a lot of great points. I mean, Valdez had, had a stellar series, right? You know, we clearly don't win game two uh, without him, right? That, you know, three-run job off of um, – oh, geez, I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, Musgrove, right? Joe Musgrove? Yeah, thank Correct. you. Um, yeah, we don't win that game without that, <laughs> that run production there. And, you know, you absolutely hit it right on the head there. He looks so comfortable at the plate, right? And – I don't think we have to look very far to see what it looks like if you don't get major league at bat production and you have bad defense, right? That's the other half of the six four three double play that we're trying to put together here. Kike's been, you know, the antithesis of what Valdez at least brings to the table offensively, right? You know, he has all the errors and he doesn't have a lot of that offensive production. Um, you know, as as long as this guy keeps swinging a, a hot bat and is able to come through in big situations, it doesn't always have to be the long ball. It doesn't always have to be a double. If he keeps turning the lineup over, getting on base, you know, we can put up with some warts defensively as, as you know, he continues to learn the position, right? Heck, you know, we all had our, uh, I guess, fears that, uh, you know, Duran was going to regress to this fielder that he was last year. But we were like, hey, you know, if he keeps hitting doubles on anything that turns into grass or, you know, keeps stealing bases or, you know, puts pressure on the defense, we can we can live with it. And I think it's going to be a very similar situation for Valdez if, if he continues to produce offensively. Valdez has been absolutely crushing righties. He does not do well against lefties, um, but he's playing himself into a position of being that utility guy because when, you know, he's, he's stealing, he has the ability of stealing bases. He's drawing walks. He's getting on base. He had the hit that single-handedly won the game. And we've had players that have done that for the Red Sox this year. Uh, Adam Duvall had done it multiple times this year. Um, you know, in the past, we've had big poppy moments where big poppy wins it with the swing of a bat or, you know, Mitch Moreland, who a couple years back was basically winning games for us to start the season. Otherwise it would have been like, oh, and 13 or something like that. So we've had statistically speaking, a lot of games where it's been like one player and friends and the other games, they may, they might not do as much like Raphael Devers, for example, had a great game and then ghosted the next two. So that's going to happen. I like the Emmanuel Valdez play here. I, I think it, it added um, some relevance, Nick. Um, I'm curious to see what he can happen with more at-bats because he hasn't had enough as of yet. Do I see him as a full-time major leaguer hitting every day in the lineup? The answer is no. Uh, and the reason for that being is Trevor Story's coming back. Adalberto Montesi's coming back. And those are going to be guys that are going to be um, paid to perform regularly every day and also players that we're expecting to uh perform every day and or a quasi-regular basis and with those guys in the lineup that's also going to spell the end from some of the other players that we have in our lineup um i'll leave it at that so if there's nothing else cody was there anything else that you want to add for that stud all right right on so for um my stud Real simple, Rafael Devers just wrapping it up. Rafi Devers went two for four in that first game with two mammoth home runs. Um, and then quiet games two and three going 0 for four, three strikeouts, or 0 for eight, excuse me, with three strikeouts. So two for 12 for the series, couple homers, four RBIs. But again, you need someone to hit home runs. And Emmanuel Valdez won his game two. Rafi Devers won his game one. Offense is a part of the game. Pitching is going to help win ball games, but 
Paxton and Sale were propelled to victories here because of spectacular appearances by both Rafi Devers and Emmanuel Valdez. So um, while it was a quiet series outside of that first game uh, for, for Devers, I think it was still quality for him in general, and he's still one of the best players in Major League Baseball, and it's not even close. Uh, Nick, go ahead. I like your take on Devers, but even though he was silent in Saturday and Sunday's games, I do want to highlight his defense. The defense that he played in this series was tremendous. He robbed Bogarts of a great ball that he hit right down the line at third base, and he was spot on, did the play incredibly, have to definitely tip the cap on that. Just looking at his defense that he actually has been able to show us as fans this early parts of the season. I'm impressed. I don't know what you guys have seen from what you've watched, but I have seen a guy that looks a little bit more athletic when he's out there in the field, a little bit more mobile. Seems like he's covering a little bit more range and a little bit more ground. And it's giving me a little bit more confidence with long-term seeing him being at that hot corner. I always thought if he was going to be the the next David Ortiz, that they were going to shift him into a DH role soon or put a glove on him for first base and kind of get ready for that transition. I, I don't think that that's in the future right now, at least for how he's playing. But I think the glove overall for me stood out, in especially those Saturday-Sunday games when he really didn't have the hits. I do want to say in the Devers big home runs from, from um, Friday's game – I thought it was very interesting, the reaction of Bogarts after the game. I don't know if any of you saw the post-game with Jemai Webster from Nesson from everything. But you could tell how just uncomfortable and awkward and out of place Xander felt from the entire series. And I, I think that this was one of those things for Xander where he just couldn't wait for the Red Sox to get out because I think that he was pressing so much because he wanted to prove to the Red Sox that they royally effed up. And truly, I mean, the Red Sox came out smelling like roses after seeing the performance that he put up from this uh, this little three-game series. So I like your take on the Devers. Big hits. I just want to see some more contact with it. Get a little bit more discipline at the plate. And I think Devers will be in for a great rest of the season. But great game from Friday. Uh, no complaints on my end. Cody. Yeah, to react to a couple of those talking points, because, I mean, that's a litany of great great um, observations from the weekend, right? You know, those two home runs early in game one were tone setters, right? And they allowed Paxton to be able to attack the zone, go after the hitters, and allow him to relax a little bit, right? We really haven't seen a game in which, you know, he's had to put up zeros after zeros, and, you know, the opposing – excuse me, our offense lays flat as well. Um, but – it used to be, you know, a ground ball to third base and we'd all kind of hold our breath a little bit. You know, what kind of Rafi are we going to get today? Are we going to get the guy that's throwing nails to first base? Or are we going to put the or get the, the Rafi that's throwing it to, you know, the second row behind right field? Um, the strides that he's made defensively have just been absolutely tremendous. He's gone from, you know, a liability to somebody that can make these all-star plays. Now, he's never going to be a platinum glove winner, or at least I don't believe he will be um, at third base. But He's at least average, if not above average. And with his offensive production, that's all you can ask for. Um, you know, he, he's been putting in a lot of a lot of work over there and it's showing. And it's just good to be able to see, you know, him have that confidence in his own abilities and relax a little bit. Right. Because, um, you know, as you were mentioning with Bogarts, when players start pressing, that's when the errors come. You know, they 
they throw the ball around on a dime all year and they practice, they do the drills and everything looks great there. It's, you know, when you're pressing, when you're in game situations, when a guy's sprinting down first base and you got to make a quick throw um, that things get a little bit wonky and just to see him be a little bit more calmer and take those deep breaths like he does in the batter's box before a big pitch. It's um, it's a sight for sore eyes. So Nick already talked about the the nice play throwing out Xander and you know, it's, it's pretty special. Like, yeah, I bought you dinner and now I'm going to send you back to the uh, dugout. Uh, believe it or not, Xander Bogarts right now is on pace defensively as he was last year. His, Fielding percentage is about the same. It's much better than it was in 2021, but the offense step up that he's taken so far in 2023 more than makes up for the fact that defensively, as Cody mentioned, he's not going to be the best third baseman defensively, but that's okay. You don't have to be the best defensively if you're number one offensively. And there's very few people right now that are challenging Rocky Devers in Major League Baseball for that for that position right now. Nolan Arenado is someone who plays in St. Louis and was like, the second coming of Christ in Colorado and start off really, really cold in St. Louis. St. Louis was one of the kind of worst, you know, more kind of average teams, kind of the lower third tier of teams. And then against the Red Sox, they lit up. And since then they've just been destroying teams. It, it, it just doesn't seem to matter. And Arnauto has been finding himself. Goldie's been doing great. Lars Newbar, who's my favorite St. Louis Cardinal after mother's day, listening to that little interview with his mom. Uh, they're they're starting to wake up, but um, Z- as far as Rafael Devers is concerned, he's going to continue being like a, a series stud, one way or the other. He's going to make a nice play. He's going to have a two homer game. He's going to get on base. He's going to drive in runs. And if I'm not mistaken, he's second in RBIs, only behind Adelis Garcia from Texas. So he's he's doing his job. He's doing great. Um, as far as some honorable mentions. I know this is going to come as a shock, and if Terry was with us, Terry would have to, I think, agree that Chris Sale is back. Chris Sale, again, another really, really good performance against San Diego, allowing two runs on three hits, seven innings, eight strikeouts, 111 pitches. It's his fourth straight quality start and fifth in his last six appearances. He has won three of his last four games. And the only game he did not win was against St. Louis when he allowed one earned run in eight innings. That was, I believe the game, if I'm not mistaken, the one where Kenley Jansen and everybody else in the world forgot what the new rules were. And uh, that wasn't his fault, but Chris sale, an incredible performance. Uh, A couple other honorable mentions. Uh, Josh Winkowski came in three innings in relief, allowed one walk, struck out two, Masataka Yoshida went four for 12 in this series. Uh, Ramel Tapia, I'm going to put him in this one too, going three for seven, but uh, was part of that double steal where Kiki Hernandez, I believe, got second base and Tapia got third. And it was part of the double challenge because I think Tapia was originally called out and they challenged that one. Um, they, they were just getting really lucky with the challenges. And then, of course, um, I mean, if there's anybody else you, you folks wanted to add, I, I was super impressed with with these guys in the first couple games. Uh, Cody, anybody else you want to add? 
Yeah, I wanted to give some love to Rob Restnider, uh, just the lefty killer, did really well in game one. And then, um, you know, I've long poo-pooed the name of Alex Cora. I, I don't like him as a manager for this team, but uh, it was good to see him trust his guys when they said, hey, review this, uh, you know, like, let's get under the hood. He did it. You went two for two. Um, so, you know, I got to eat some crow there. I thought he had a, a good series. And so I wanted to give him some honorable mention for, for starts. I love that ref Snyder. Cody, you stole my thunder. That was a great game that he had, and he has been the lefty killer. I, we questioned why he was hitting three in this lineup. How many times, guys? How many times have we said it? But you know what? If he's getting the job done, is he a prototypical three hitter? Absolutely not. But if he's going to hit the ball and get on base and do his thing, I don't care where the heck he slots. So it was great to see that. The other one I do want to mention, because it was a bounce back and I felt better after he got the save, you have to say Kenley Jensen's name as well. Because when it was 4-2 to two, and when he came in for the ninth, I'm sure you guys are saying, oh boy, what are we going to get tonight? And he got the job done. That was a confidence-building 401st career save. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, right on. So moving right into our duds, we're going to keep the show mo moving. Uh, Corey... Uh, oh my god cody i'm gonna let you go first i apologize do you just want to introduce the the dud as well while you're at it there my guy you blew it. no 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 it's you it's you you go you go um unsurprisingly i think you know you, you everybody here has kind of seen the tone of, of the show we've kind of talked about it twitter was ablaze with it uh the dud for me for this series was Corey kluber uh, you know, we had locked up the series win already coming into today. It was a travel day, albeit a bus ride because they can't fly from San Diego to Anaheim. But um, Corey Kluber just hasn't been competitive. Um, you know, albeit from a couple of seasons, I mean, a couple of starts this season, he's he's been you know uh, living on on the dud list. Um, you know, I was trying to make some excuses for him at the beginning. Oh, it's cold. He's a command pitcher. It's hard to command. Uh, the pitches, you know, when it's a balmy 38 in Fenway, you know, you can see him blowing in the hand. He's got the sleeves going. He looks miserable out there. Um, but, I mean, hey, you're in the sunny skies of San Diego and you still can't get it done. Um, I'm running out of uh, reasons or excuses or whatever it ends up being. Um, really wish, you know, he would have been a better signing. Obviously, he's not the same pitcher as he was when he was with the Guardians. But um, it's... It's just not – we were out of the game before we really even got our teeth into it, right? You know, you could just tell from from the first pitch he just wasn't sharp. Uh, you know, and he bobbles the double play potential ball, and things just kind of unravel from there. Um, I was, thought it was interesting we went right to Bayer and didn't go to Pavetta because I was like, wait a second, what is, what is Pavetta doing in the bullpen if we're not going to see him to piggyback off of these short stars? But we made our way over there eventually, but that's a, that's another – uh, rabbit hole for a different discussion but um yeah he just has hasn't been the pitcher that he was even you know in in tampa or new york for that matter you know he had lost his stuff long before he came to the al east uh, but he had better command he was able to slice and dice or keep pitchers i mean keep batters um off balance and we just haven't seen that that same same version of him and you know this one might be a addition by subtraction if we can we can you know designated for assignment but i or you know whatever it ends up looking like nick you guys ready for sunday afternoon's game when Corey kluber takes the hill against the arizona diamondbacks because that's what alex cora said after the game he is giving him another chance and i don't know about you but i was pissed <laughs> i don't want to see him anymore We've given him every opportunity. 
like Cody said, weather, feel the ball, command, yada, yada, yada. The positive for Corey Kluber is his ERA didn't take a toll. He only gave up one earned run today, but that was because of his nonsense of not fielding the ball properly on that play. Like I said at the beginning when we were talking about Paxton with being a part of this rotation, we are getting members back that are going to be filling this void in our rotation. We're going to be getting some depth back. Whitlock's coming back. You have Cutter Crawford. You also have Pavetta that's still stashed in the bullpen. I feel more confident with Nick Pavetta in the rotation than I do with keeping Corey Kluber in there right now. That is how I feel. You guys could feel different from the whole taking it, but I just, this was one of those games today that I looked at the, at the probables for the starters and it said Corey Kluber versus Michael Walker. And the first thing that my mind triggers off is, oh boy, wouldn't it be nice to have that guy? Because you had him, you had Michael Walker. And this is your replacement in, in essence of who Michael Walker is, Corey Kluber. Round of applause, Heim Bloom. Round of applause. Because that one's on you today, my friend. It is on you. So when I think of 40, I think of I think of the number of home runs you want your star player to have. I think of Jaron Durant last year. I think of someone who gets probably first or second for num you know, leader in stolen bases. And unfortunately, it's gonna be known as the number of pitches that Corey Kluber threw in the first inning of this game. So that hurt. And Nick already talked about, you know, his nonsense. 40 pitches, and it just went from bad to worse. You start off walking the first guy, then there's an error, then there's another walk. You get a pop out, you walk Carpenter and you walk in a run. Carpenter's not even a threat. Like, you just need to get pitches over the mound. You had him in a one-two hole, and you walked him on three straight after that. You got Kim to strike out. I don't even know why he was bunting on that play, but you end up striking him out on the accident pitch. And then Runetto Odor, who's hitting, I think, 151 at the time, bases clearing double to right field. Gut punch. Absolute gut punch. Any momentum that we would have perhaps saved after being down 1-0 to try to muscle up some, some runs or some power. Granted, we didn't score any runs, but 1-0, you have a chance. 4-0, not so much. It only got worse. And Kluber didn't even last three innings. He got pulled out after two and a third. It was a horrible start. Corey Kluber now has allowed three or more runs in four of his last five excuse me, five of his last six appearances, and this one was no different. Um, granted, only one earned run because of his kerfuffle and his mess-up, his mistake. But at this point, this is just like an innings eater. Like, Jason on the other show had a tweet, and I apologize as I don't have it in front of me, but it was along the lines of Corey Kluber was, I believe, a worse purchase or a worse investment than Garrett Richards. And that says something because Garrett Richards was my dud for the year. He was so bad. When he came out, literally, I wanted to chew glass or jump in front of traffic. It was that bad. So I don't know how much more we're going to be taking of Corey Kluber. You know, he's giving us five innings. He's had one or two decent starts. 
but he's gotten lit up like a Christmas tree every other time out. So I don't know how much more we're going to be able to take in Boston with that. It does help. I mean, the only saving grace, Bill Paxton, Chris, uh, Bill, James Paxton and Chris Sale came out and absolutely did their job. If they didn't, this was going to be even worse. This would have been abysmal where everybody, you know, all those people out there that are saying the Red Sox are a joke or this, that, and the other, you can, you can find some reason there. We need to have either Corey Kluber figure it out, or unfortunately, it might be time to just say, thank you for being here. We appreciate you trying. It just is not working out. You're 37 years old. You're not getting younger. You're not blowing anyone away with your speed and your fastball. It's been a while since you were a Cleveland Indian at the time and were arguably one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. But surgery and injuries have derailed your career. I'm hoping Corey Gluber can figure it out, but I'm not going to hold my breath because I don't think this one's going to work out, unfortunately. Anything else that uh, you guys want to add for Kluber? All right. Uh, Nick, hit us with your dud for this series. So I was going back and forth on this, and I was trying to think about what could get something moving with a conversation. What could stir the pot here a little bit? The one that I came out with first, and it was just strictly because I was disappointed he got hurt and he wasn't in the series. That was Justin Turner. Just because I I, I, I want to see more of him versus a Tristan Casas at the current moment. He got hurt. Totally understand that he was out. It was just a personal thing with me. Just, damn, I wish he was able to play. I wish he was able to be in that rivalry because he thrived with the Padres and the Dodgers back in the day with playing you know, against them and all. So I was looking forward to seeing that. But in essence, the real dud of this series, I actually look at it as Xander Bogarts. I mean, he went 0 for 11. I understand this is not a Red Sox player anymore. But here's a guy that I'm sure wanted to prove something again to the Red Sox. It said, oh, look at you idiots. You got rid of me. I'm going to stick it to you. And he just completely turtled. Absolutely turtled this series. I know he got robbed. A couple plays from Devers and Verdugo on it. Had some good contact with everything. But just overall with what has started out great for a couple weeks for Bogarts with the Padres has been nothing short of a disappointment. I think that's the best way to describe it for the Padres fans right now. They're disappointed. And rightfully so. I mean, Bogarts is now for the past month about a 200 hitter. And that's not going to cut it for a team that invested and spent so much money on getting a championship and getting back to uh, and getting and getting a championship and just getting to back to winning ways for how they were going to be. So Bogarts definitely for me was the dud where definitely should have shown some people that you gave up on me. You didn't want me. You could have had me. And the Red Sox are looking back at it and saying, well, there you have it. Yeah. Uh, Cody, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, it's always a bit unique, right, to be able to talk about another team's player as a dud. Um, but, you know, obviously Bogarts is always going to be close to home, near and dear to our hearts. Uh, yeah, you know, people were taking victory laps uh, all beginning of the season, right? Xander, you know, he's mashing. He's hitting, you know, doubles here, hitting leadoff there, you know, doing all these great things. We could have had him. We could have had him. You know, this would have fixed our shortstop debacle which, you know, yes, it would have fixed our shortstop debacle. But 
Yeah, it was a real bummer to see him struggle. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. Um, you know, it could be that situation again, like Nick had talked about earlier. The guy was trying to press, trying to, you know, prove to the team that like, oh, yeah, I'm still that guy. I'm still him. Uh, you should have given me the money. And it's like, okay, nobody said we shouldn't have given you the money, my guy. Nobody wanted to give you 12 years. But, you know, this has been hashed out many a time over many different podcasts. Um, he definitely did not have the series that I think he was hoping for. Uh, which is a shame, but hey, it worked to our benefit. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we give him a nice ceremony uh, towards the end of his, his career. Maybe he finds his way back to Boston, but uh, let's keep it moving. Yeah. Um, just to, to piggyback off of that, I think the nice thing that uh, happened for Xander was him receiving his silver slugger in front of, you know, the Padres fans with the Red Sox there on hand. And getting a free lunch from Rafael Devers because he forgot his wallet. But 0 for 11 isn't so much a dud for me in my eyes because Xander did what Xander does in my eyes, which is absolutely disappoint when it matters most. Um, I've been, you know, on the train of thank you, Xander, for leaving. We appreciate you for being there, but you were not worth anything remotely close to your $280 million 11-year deal. I also want to revisit the other person that you talked about briefly. I know that you mentioned you were disappointed that, um, you know, he got injured and you want to see more from him. Yeah, Justin Turner. Yep. Yeah, so Justin Turner went 6 for 13 in the prior series of two homers and four RBIs. So injuries are a part of the game. I wouldn't, me personally, and, and that's the good thing, is we're not always going to agree, and that's what's great about it. Um, it it's, it's, it's a blessing. Um, I don't know if I could ever count someone as a dud. Me personally, count someone as a dud if they got injured after going 0 for 1 with a walk. Because it's an injury. And granted, I want to see him play too. I think Justin Turner, along with, with some of the other players in that infield that already have established chemistry, being Kike Hernandez, um, Henley Jensen there as well, being former Dodgers, I think adds um, a, an element of comfortability where he, if he didn't have a sore knee, he would have been playing third. He would have been playing first. He would have been playing somewhere in that field. There would have been another player out and Turner would have been in because he just went six for 13, you know, like it, it, it wouldn't have made much sense for him to not be in there. But I do want to, you know, open the floor for either you or Cody to add anything on that before we shift into our final dud. My last thing I was just going to say on this is I like Justin Turner. I think he's a character guy. I think he adds a lot of great things that this Red Sox team needed, especially for this 2023 season. I'm just sick and tired of Tristan Casas, guys. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of him. And I want to see Turner play more, whether it's playing first base or DHing or whatever it is to get him into the lineup. I, I, I really want to drive Tristan Casas to Worcester like right now. I really do. Maybe I need to do an Uber service and do a personal driving thing. I just wanted to see Turner play. That's the only reason. He had a great series last time. But, yeah, I like Turner. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, I oh, Cody, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I know that Costas came in for Turner in game one, and he didn't get on base. Does that break his on-base game streak, or does it not count because he didn't start? How does that work? I think it counts as games games that you're in. I think he, like, I, yeah, I do. I do too. I think, okay. I, think I think it will count. I think it will. Count. Yeah, if you have a hitting streak, if you have a hitting streak, you come as a pinch hitter and you don't get a hit. That's your hitting streak. It's gone. So I would never put somebody into a pinch hitting role if they were, uh, you know, in the middle of like a 24 game hitting streak. That'd be awful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did that to uh, they did that to Nomar back in I think it was 2002 or 2003 when he had like a 30 gamer and he lost the hitting streak. I was 
so would have lost it eventually. I don't know if he would have kept it. Yeah. Um, so, so my dub for this series, and again, this isn't something I want to spend too much time in, but this is just numerically based. Jaron Duran, one for 12, three strikeouts, a single, did not do what he had done in the prior series going uh, five for, I think it was five for 10 against Seattle, had a home run, uh, scored a couple of runs, had a stolen base. It just was a, a bad, bad weekend, just a bad series against San Diego. Those are going to happen. Um, in the series before that against St. Louis, he went one for nine, did have a couple of RBIs. They're just a quiet weekend for him. So I'm just going to leave it at that really quickly. Quiet one for 12, Jaron Duran. Uh, Nick, anything you want to add to that? It's going to be a week where he's going to have to figure out when you go through a slump, how are you going to get out of it? And I think this is a great learning lesson for him where here comes a new series against the angels that will be starting this week. We forget about what happened from last week and we move forward. I think one of Duran's biggest struggles throughout his career has been his mental game is clearing his head, forgetting about what he did the last game, forgetting about what he did the last week and getting into that present moment and making sure that he's ready to roll when this series hits against the angels. So I'm going to put a bold prediction on this one and say this time next week, Jaron Duran will hit the stud list. How about that? Cody, anything you want to add? Ebbs and flows of the season, right? It's it's a long 162 game season. They're all not going to be bangers and they're definitely not all going to be, you know, hitting at a 370 clip homers, doubles, stolen bases. Um, I know I thought I got a little bit unlucky. He had a couple of balls on the screws that just ended up being loud outs uh, but the guy's still giving 100% max effort. He's still looking good in the field. He's still looking confident and comfortable and relaxed at the plate. Uh, so we'll just chalk it up to, you know, maybe they scouted him well for for this series or, you know, maybe it was just one of those off couple of days. Who knows what it is? Let's see how he responds in, excuse me, in Anaheim. And, you know, if the way he's responding this year is any indication from, you know, what he bounced back from last year, I have full faith that he'll be able to to put it together. And I would love to see him on the sub list next, year, uh, next week. Absolutely. Uh, a couple other dishonorable mentions. Nick had already mentioned uh, Xander Bogart, uh, but going 0 for 11, trying to stick it to your former team, not really doing that job if you're going 0 for 11 and now getting like 180 for the month of May. But dishonorable mentions, Richard Blyer came in. The very first pitch coming in after Corey Kluber, two-run homer, Matt Carpenter, right field, game three, over. It's 6-0. This one's done. Put a fork in us. That's it. He's had it's a second straight bad appearance for him. He's just had an awful month of May. I have no idea why he's still here. Does not belong in in Boston. He cannot handle the pressure. This is just that's it. Like this is probably his last year in the majors. No one's going to give him another shot. I don't think this is going to be like that other guy that we got from San Francisco. We DFA'd Liddell or Liddell and then San, uh, Tampa Bay just picked him up. Um, he's just not going to go anywhere. Tristan Casas, one for seven, one single, a walk, three strikeouts in the series. And Kike Hernandez, I'm going to put a little asterisk next to his name. Uh, two for 10, couple runs scored, couple singles, three strikeouts as well. Did get hit by a pitch, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, was a part of that double stolen base, the the double steal when Tapia got third. I think that was Hernandez who got second. And he put up a little two up because uh, 
which I didn't put the make the connection, but um, I thought, okay, two because he stole second base. No, it's the first time that he's stolen two bases in X amount of years, and I'd have to go back and look at it for uh, Kike Hernandez. But Kike Hernandez, not really known for his wheels, and uh, it's the first time since, let me double check, 2019 when he was a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers that he's actually stolen two bases in the same season. So already he has stolen more bases in 2023 than the last three years combined as a member of the Dodgers and two with the Red Sox. So little nice stat, uh, stat there for him. Any other honorable or dishonorable mentions in this case that you want to add? Nick, Cody saying none. I Connor Wong, I, I feel like has definitely stepped down a couple notches after that tremendous, what was that, a couple weeks back, was against the Blue Jays or whatever that game was. We're seeing some growing pains with Connor Wong. Terry and I were very high on him to start the season, and we I'm still confident that he's going to be able to handle a major league season and everything. I just see I just think that we're going through that growing pains kind of ser- uh, kind of stage where he's adjusting to major league pitching and just got to figure it out. So maybe that's meaning working more with Jason Veritek on scouting reports and getting some better uh, tips when he goes up to the plate on how to get the job done. But overall, just Connor Wong, I want to see a little bit more, especially this upcoming series. Absolutely. Right on. Uh, Cody, don't believe you had any others. So we will go right into this three-game set. We will be going right to Los Angeles uh, from San Diego. So just a a little short hike, which will be nice. Won't have to deal with any... Exactly. It'll be no jet lag, no excuses for poor performance. Uh, We have a three-game set in LA. Tanner Houck going up against... Baria, who I'm not that familiar with, uh, Jaime Baria has had a decent year with a 1.96 ERA, but looks like a bullpen guy, doesn't look like a starter. So how do we have this? He's not made a start. So this will be his first career uh, or first start in 2023, has started in the past. But where do you guys see this one going? Game one. For game one, I like the Red Sox here. Uh, you know, I think we can get off to a fast start, you know, give Hauk a couple of turns through the bowl, I mean, through the lineup and try to get him out of the game, you know, by that fifth inning because it seems to go downhill from there. Um, very rarely on these West Coast uh, trips do you have easy travel days, right? You know, you're either going like Seattle to Anaheim or, you know, San Francisco to Arizona or something crazy, right? Uh, Charlie, as you mentioned on you touched on it, it was a great point, right? They're taking a bus. There's no jet lag. There's no weird travel days. They got out of uh, San Diego early, right? You know, a 310 Central start, 410 Eastern. What's that? 110 Pacific. I mean, couldn't have asked for a, a better scheduling day and, and a closer trip. Uh, you know, the, I think the team is in a good position right now. You know, we're playing well on the West Coast, which is, you know, historically not something that we do very often. So I like our chances to keep the uh, keep the momentum rolling in game one. Nick. Tanner Hoke is probably has his most important start of the season tomorrow night in that this is a job here that if you want to keep your rotation spot or be in consideration to be here with all the depth again coming back, you better shine. We don't need to see any more of this. Okay, it's the fourth inning. It looks great. Here comes the fifth inning, and everyone in the world is starting to hit him, much like he did against his last start against Seattle. He looked very good the first three innings or so. And then after that, everything just kind of opened up. Floodgates opened. 
gave up four runs, took the loss against the Seattle Mariners. I like Hulk better as a starter. I've felt that way since the beginning of the season. I'm still sticking with that. I feel that he still has the the proper pitching, the proper smarts on how to be a major league caliber starting pitcher. His struggle is getting past that fifth inning. This is a do or die chance for him tomorrow night. And I want Tanner Hulk to be able to command that zone, get his pitches right in the spot where he needs to do and get that job done. I expect a win. I am going with the Red Sox for Monday night's game against the Angels with the W. So I'm, I'm with you both. I think that Tanner Hawk is going to have the edge here against someone who does not start, albeit he's had only two games in which he's allowed even one earned run. Uh, after the first uh, appearance that he's made, he's allowed one run, one earned run, excuse me, in his last, I think it's nine, nine appearances. So he does have that going for him. But what I'm doing is I'm just, I'm just going with the eye test here. You have one guy who has the ability of pitching five, six plus innings and giving you a quality start. The other one has not been able to do that. And then you're relying on that bullpen to try to salvage whatever you have. Tanner Howe can throw 100, 110 pitches if they have to push him and God forbid they have to do that. But if he has to throw 100 pitches and go six, six plus innings and it's still close to two, three, three, something like that, I think he's going to be able to outlast them. I think that the Red Sox offense will also be able to uh, do damage. So game one, uh, going to Boston. Game two, we have uh, Brian Bale going up against Griffith Canning. Uh, Cody, how do you have this one going? Again, I've got the Red Sox on this one. I think this is one of the first few times, at least I've done uh, a probable pitchers report where we finally have the edge in, you know, starting pitcher ERA, right? Bayo has looked sharper and sharper in each and every outing that he's had, Um, you know, largely as well. We get to miss Otani on the bump, which I think is a huge boost of morale for the team. Um, But there's not a lot to be scared of in Anaheim, you know, knock on wood, we seemingly have had their number historically. Um, you know, there's nothing about this Griffin Cannon guy uh, that, that scares you. You know, uh, I think we keep the momentum rolling here. Uh, uh, this seems very much like it's going to be one of those ho-hum four to one, five to two kind of baseball games, in my opinion. Nick. Three three wins in a row for Brian Bayo. Three games that he's last started, he has got the W win, and he has looked better and better each time that he's gone out. I look for things each time a pitcher goes out to see how they can get better, what they can do to prove they're, that they're worthy, that they're going to get over that hump to be even better the next start. My big thing here is I want to see him go six or seven innings on Tuesday night's game. His big thing has been right around that five-ish kind of plateau. Same kind of like Hulk, but I think Hulk more kind of crumbles when that fifth inning comes. I think Bayo just to stretch him out a little bit longer, keep that pitch count down. I see a quality win out of this one for him as well. I think he's going to be uh, four wins in a row, Mr. Brian Bayo, come Tuesday night. Bayo for me as well. Uh, Griffith Canning does not seem to be able to put it together. Um, Brian Bayo is building on four straight appearances where he's pitched five innings. He's allowed one run in two of those starts, and he's really not gotten shellacked. He's, you know, it, that ERA of 4.45 is only 
ugly in appearance because he's not going six or seven plus innings every game. So outside of that very first start in which he did face Los Angeles, um, he's done pretty good at minimizing the damage. And as Nick mentioned, he's gone three and So to Cody's point, to Nick's point, I have the Red Sox going through the first two here with both W's, which brings us to our third and final game. You got Paxton going up against former Dodger, Tyler Anderson. Who do you have in this one, Cody? Dare we call it a sweep? It's hard not to at this point, right? We're just looking at, you know, pure numbers. Obviously, weird things are going to happen in baseball, but this guy has just not been trending well over his last seven games. Uh, he's got a 614 ERA, 25 uh, earned runs given up, 19 walks to 23 strikeouts. Um, not not really seeming like he's, he's in form. Uh, he doesn't appear to be prone to the long ball, which I think will be quite all right as, you know, we'll get our – uh, lefty killer Rob Refsider in the three hole probably, but uh, this looks to be a game for me where you know Paxton is going to continue to build on the momentum, and this is going to be you know the versatility game for the Red Sox in my opinion, right? Hopefully we'll have the series locked up here. Maybe we don't get the the All Star lineup, but is this the type of game that we can win without out slugging? Like, are we going to be reliant on home runs to win games, or can we put together? big innings on small ball or, you know, moving the runner over or putting, uh, putting players in motion. Um, so this, you know, could be an Alex Cora type game. Can he steal us a win with, with some savvy uh, managerial decisions, but I like the Red Sox, uh, you know, Paxton has been too good for me to, to deviate at this moment in time. And, you know, I like, I like the Red Sox here as well. Nick. You know how I like to stir the pot. I like to be different. I like to have different takes on occasion with different. I can't be different on this one. It's going to be a sweep. It's going to be a sweep. I feel very confident right now with what we're seeing from Paxton. And I look at this game as another building block game for him. Let's see what you did against the Padres, who, in my opinion, that's a better lineup in a way than you have with the Angels. I know numbers-wise, it, it may look a little different, but – I think that Paxton can get the job done here on this Wednesday game and the Red Sox can get out of Los Angeles with a nice sweep before they head to Arizona to face the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I see Paxton getting a nice, nice win here and riding high on a nice sweep. This may come as a huge surprise, um, but there's no way I'm going with, with uh, I can't go against Paxton. I just can't do it. So that's the first time in a long time, if ever, that we actually have all three hosts going sweep here, all in the same direction. It certainly helps that we've had a little bit of momentum and some quality appearances and starts from, from both Paxton and Sale. Uh, I absolutely want to end it on that high note, unless there's anything else that either one of you two gents want to add. Fan blippin' tastic. So on that note, I want to thank one thing. Oh, Nick, go ahead. I have a message. I have a message that was sent from Don Orsillo today. Don Orsillo said, I just want to say how great it was to be a part of that weekend. It was tremendous. Uh, He's friends. Again, he's friends with me. It was tremendous. The fans were awesome. That was so much fun. Love, Don. That's a fantastic little message to hear from Don, the voice of the Red Sox for so many years. And love Don. I think, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's sad to see him not there, but always good to see him when he does make an appearance. Uh, an even better reason to, to end on that note, a real high note with Don Rosillo. 
That's going to wrap it up. Uh, wrap it up for us tonight. Here, we want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you, whether this is your first time or one thousandth time, and whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We thank you. Everyone, have a great night. Take care. <laughs>